Good afternoon. Welcome to the Beach House Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Webb. Thank you for tuning in. I'm very pleased to have my guest on here today. One of a kind, handsome Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill, how the heck are you doing? Hey, doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, this is a beer podcast, and you are drinking a beer. I'm not. I'm a little bit <laughs> under the weather today. Uh, what you drinking? Got uh, one tart bird from our friends at uh, Belly Hall Brewing. Very nice. Um, what do you like about this beer? Um, just uh, a beautiful tartness that's um, that's coming from the ingredients, and uh, so just super refreshing, beautifully well crafted beer for sure. Um, we are sitting upstairs in Belly Hop in a very creepy office. It looks like a scene from Saw Three or something. <laughs> like we would have to escape our way out of here. Um, I do appreciate you taking the time um, to join us today. Um, you have something going on right now. It's very cool. You are the chef of the Burger of the Month at Cilantro and Chive, which is my favorite restaurant and a big supporter of the show and a big supporter of Alberta Craft Beer and Spirits. How the heck did that happen? Oh, man. Well, it's just uh, pure generosity of uh, Riley and Jason there. Those guys uh, run a tight ship, and uh, <laughs> yeah. they were, uh, yeah, I was super lucky to get involved. So I'm on the... Uh, Expansion committee for the Red Deer Hospice Society. Okay, uh, they got a, a big expansion going on, which is going to add some rooms, much needed space, um, and change their operating budget a little bit. <clears throat> and so I was talking to Riley about that, and uh, he he threw out the idea of uh, bringing me on as a celebrity guest chef. And cool, uh, I, I jumped at the opportunity. It's I always love seeing the burgers that get uh, created and put up there, and love seeing the causes that get involved. So. What is on this burger? Because it's basically like a double burger, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the pièce de résistance is probably that uh, big, thick slice of uh, Patty's pastrami. Shout out to uh, Patty's. <laughs> absolutely, definite shout out to Patty's. Those guys do great work. Um, and and I was pretty insistent. Like it's it's got to be cut thick the way uh, the way they do it at the the brew brewery in Calgary there. So it's a nice thick uh, slab of pastrami. <clears throat> Then we got uh, some blind man beer braised onions. Got some Swiss cheese. We got uh, special secret burger sauce. Ooh. And um, I feel like I'm missing something Is on there. there. A, there's a pickle on top, I think. Yeah, we got a nice slice of pickle on top. We got a pretzel bun, which Ooh. is... Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the pretzel bun. Pretzel My brother is, uh, detests it, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, it's my burger, not Joe's. <laughs> Um, okay, also here at Belly Hop, you guys have uh, Red Shed and Alberta Barley beer on tap. Could you talk about that briefly? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the Canadian Malt Barley Technical Center and Alberta Barley, they put together a tour this year, which included uh, some brewers from around North America. And we're showing off uh, some of the new barley varieties that are out there. And so Hamill Farms was one of the stops on there. We were able to show them a new variety from uh, Lacombe Field Crop Development Center, the Low, and uh, from uh, Cantera, the AAC Connect. Um, so a couple new varieties that uh, farmers, malsters, and brewers are starting to get excited about. Cool. Uh, and then um, Alberta Barley uh, asked me if I knew a way to get uh, branded beer. And uh, I've worked with Belly Hop here on projects similar to this before, and so we were able to put something 
something special together for him. That's cool. And you guys have done some other beers recently. Like there's the low beer at Red Shed. Um, you guys have done the Bach Chain, Hamel Bros Brewing, which is also part of this whole company yep. enterprise, has been putting out beers. How do you know, like, when to do these things? How do you have time to balance RBC, Red Shed, Alberta Barley Projects? Like, how do you balance all that stuff? Uh, well, balance is, uh, is definitely a, a tricky thing and something that uh, remains a challenge for me. So it's uh, definitely been a busy few years since I started up here uh, with Red Shed. Um, so lots of evenings and weekends taken up uh, running malt around, visiting breweries, um, and just uh, kind of lucky to be part of some really cool partnerships. So Alberta Barley's brought some some neat projects to me, uh, and I really enjoy working with them. Um, <clears throat> Lauren Reed, she used to be the events coordinator there, and I um, shout out to Lauren Reed. She's fantastic. She is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so with her progression through to Alberta Small Brewers, um, we just ended up with a lot of projects that way. I uh, remain friends with some of the other people that are there at uh, Alberta Barley. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, as as the the small maltster, we get to deal with lots of farmers and lots of uh, breweries, and uh, we're connected to the agriculture industry, so some of the barley breeding programs, some of the seed companies. So we just kind of uh, find ourselves in the middle of a lot of things. I wanted to paint this picture for this mass confusion of everything that's going on before I ask the very simple question, which I probably should have started with, but I wanted people to understand this is a lot going on here. What is Red Shed and who is Red Shed? Ah, you bet. Sorry. Um, so Red Shed is a small malt company started by uh, my family here uh, about four years ago. And so it includes uh, my mom and dad. So dad's uh, the farmer, mom does all the books. My brother and his wife, Dalen. Joe does uh, all the production, so he's full-time uh, at the Malt House. Dalen does all of our marketing, so we're in uh, all the social accounts, um, and worked with her sister on lots of the branding and uh, website and business cards, all that stuff. And I kind of do uh, sales, deliveries, strategy, and uh, everything in between. Um, so we take barley from dad's farm, we malt it, and we sell it to all these uh, craft breweries that have been popping up. Um, and we have the only malt roaster in Canada. Um, so if you want to make dark beers and you want to use Canadian ingredients, then that's kind of where we fit in. Okay. So there's a lot of names and things that popped up. It's essentially a small family business, if we could summarize. Yep. Um, also, this is multi-generational. You guys have been growing barley prior to having Red Shed. Um, how long has this been going on in your family, I guess? So Hamel Farms uh, goes back to 1929 when great-grandpa moved over here from Ireland. Um, that and is wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same farm and everything in Penhold or like... Yeah, you bet. So uh, I'm actually living in the house that uh, great-grandpa moved into in 1929. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is incredible. So you live in your great grandfather's house that yep. he originally moved into in 1929. You got that it. Is one heck of a story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Joe's Joe's across the road. Grandma's uh, in the same yard site, and mom and dad are uh, located right uh, right by the malt house there. So we're all real tight knit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and of course. Um, so, how did you guys decide to go from like, okay, we're just going to grow barley to 
we're doing the malting company, we're going to roast, we're going to do sales. How do you make that transition and why? Uh, probably started with, um, and I say probably because we, we don't really know. It's uh, we, Probably started with a couple beers. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it definitely started with a couple beers. Maybe a, a few scotches as well after oh, some family geez. suppers. Um, but the genesis of it definitely had to be uh, Joe started doing some home brewing and we got uh, really interested in getting Dad's Barley into Joe's beer. Okay. And were you guys taking in barley to be malted and sold to raw or country malting or wh- where? Yeah, where, where yeah. So we we have a pretty long relationship with. Uh, um, we we have sold to raw before, but a really long relationship with uh, Canada Malting Country Malt Group. Okay. Uh, so I've been selling to them for years. Uh, one of the reasons that we've kind of grown tighter with them. Uh, in recent history, like but just before Red Shed, was Dad. Uh, he really likes growing Newdale barley, okay. which is a variety that's not as common as some of the other ones out there, but it's one that uh, Canada Malt uses. And so that just kind of led to a natural uh, partnership there. Um, and then with the long relationship, you know, there's going to be some years where uh, your barley's on the cusp of meeting that strict uh, requirements for malt. Um, and Canada Malt's been good with, uh, you know, if if it's if it's on the verge of making feed, they might be able to get it in there quick and get it through their system, and that'll help it keep that malt quality. So, good relationships that way, and then of course um, more relationships with them through that blockchain beer, and most recently with our distribution deal. Yeah. So, can you talk about that? I mean, I just saw this on social media a couple of days ago. I think it's a fairly large announcement for you guys to say, "Hey, look, we're working directly alongside Canada Malting Country Malt Group on this." How did that come to be, and what exactly, what doors does this open for you guys? What changes now? Yep. Um, so it is. Yeah, we are definitely super excited about it. Um, and congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, so. Up till now, a uh, vast majority of our sales have happened in Alberta. We've uh, shipped some stuff out to uh, Saskatchewan. I think you actually helped us out with that a little bit. <laughs> um, got some stuff out to Winnipeg, and uh, recently did a, a collaboration with Blind Man and Dagger Ad, so we got some into BC, and uh, my sister's up in Whitehorse um, helping us spread the good word, so we're, uh, we're involved with a few of the breweries up there. Cool. Um, but yeah, so up to now, most of it's been in Alberta. This uh, really opens the door for getting our malt across Western Canada. So it's going to be stocked at uh, Country Malt Group's Calgary and BC Warehouse, um, and it just makes ordering for breweries super easy. So before, um, we always try to make it as easy as possible on the breweries, but it still involved them getting a hold of me, uh, me confirming that we have it in stock, uh, and then arranging for invoicing and delivery with uh, Mom and Joe and making sure that it gets delivered on time and at a time that's convenient for the brewery. So, so a lot of logistics. A lot of logistics, yeah. Um, and this gets it to the point where it's, you know, they're just checking another box on their regular uh, malt order. Okay. So yeah. on this post on Facebook, I saw like someone like Drew Sinden commented, he's at Electric Bicycle now. He had just been at Town Square recently. He said, hey, am I going to be able to get Wretched Biscuit in Vancouver? Is that? Yeah, that's a resounding yes. Okay. Um, so um, we are we hated to see Drew Sinden leave uh, Alberta. Um, he was doing great things at Town Square. Um, and I'm sure they'll do a good job carrying on the legacy. But uh, we do love having him in Vancouver, especially at uh, such a forward-thinking and adventurous brewery like Electric Bicycle. Weird brewery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so not in a bad way. I love weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, in the best possible way. Absolutely, I hundred uh, percent agree. Um, and then having Dave Mitchell uh, land back in uh, Victoria, and excited to see where he ends up and where he starts brewing because those guys uh, were early adopters and uh, big fans, especially of that biscuit malt. So as am I. As <laughs> yeah. is the bakery that makes the pretzels for <laughs> where I pick. Um, so okay. Uh, Maybe this is where we should have started. There's going to be a few of these moments. What is barley? What is malt? What is malt barley? Like, what words am I supposed to be using? And, like, it seems like farmers say different things than brewers. And, like, what's the actual proper lingo? And what do each of those mean? Yeah, it's, uh, th- there should have been, um, there should have been a supply chain delegation sit down and come out with some better terminology for this uh, at the very beginning of everything. But, <laughs> But that never happened, so we got a whole bunch of jumble words that all sound exactly like malt. Um, <laughs> so if you're talking to a farmer and he says he made malt, uh, what he's usually referring to is he grew barley that met uh, the specifications to make malt barley. So it's got good germ on it, it's got the right protein, um, good chance of making good quality malt. Um, of course, if you talk to the maltster and he says making malt, that's uh, the process of converting barley into a usable ingredient for brewers. Um... And yeah, so it's as the maltster, we usually say that uh, we'll take malt barley, and so we're referring to the raw ingredient that's met spec, and we will put it through the malting process, or we will malt it, and at the end of that, we will have barley malt or malt. Okay, so basically, whatever I want to use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if a farmer is growing barley and they're trying to get malt barley and they don't hit the specs, is this detrimental to their season of income? Like how much difference of percentage of cost or sale price is there in feed and malt barley? Yeah, you bet. Um, so it's, the farmer's taking a hit on, on two levels. So the first is by growing a malt variety of barley, uh, they've kind of accepted the fact that it's gonna yield a little bit less than some of the feed varieties out there. Okay. So you might get so right off so, the start, they could have just gone feed and just knowing they were going for feed and just played that game. Yeah, and they probably would have got 10% more crop yeah. off of it. Um, now, on the other hand, the reason that they will try to grow uh, a malt variety is that they're expecting a, a higher than a 10% premium in the price between feed barley and malt barley. So now if they're going for malt ver- uh, barley and they don't hit spec and they have to sell for feed, now they're taking that price hit on it too. So they got less of a crop to sell at less of a price. So it is, uh, it is a, it does hurt, it does sting for a farmer for sure. Um, which is, uh, now that I'm in the business and talking to farmers a little bit more, it's, it makes a little bit more sense why uh, I got so many memories of grandpa and dad getting real excited coming home saying, we made malt again this year. Yeah. And yeah. so what was it like, like in a year when you guys didn't hit that? Like for surely it's noticeable even, you know, like, oh my goodness, we didn't hit the malt specs. We're going to have to try harder next year. We have to pray for more rain or less rain. Like how do you balance these things? Because it's a lot of it's out of your control. Um, well, well, farmers are the uh, eternal optimists. So it's, uh, it's always, um, I do you love know, speaking well, to your father because <laughs> he is a, an optimist. If yeah. I ever met one. Indeed. So it's always, uh, you know, well, we'll do it next year. Um, but farmers are, um, really resilient and really adaptive. So, um, even though we only get to grow one crop a year versus, uh, you know, manufacturing where you're 
kicking out new product every day or what have you. Um, so we got to take all the lessons from the year and uh, learn how to do a little bit better next year. So, um, you know, trying, trying some experiments, uh, playing with some variables, pulling some levers, seeing what we can change. So uh, to give an example, this year Dad's got 15 different fields. And 10 of those are uh, seeded with a different variety of grain or, uh, yeah, different grain or a different variety of grain. So um, we're definitely doing a lot more experimentation out there. We got a few different varieties of barley in the ground and a few different varieties of uh, wheat, canola, and peas in. Cool. Um, and how large is your farm? Is this a one-family farm or like a hundred-family farm? Like how big of operation is this? Uh, so like most uh, most farms in Alberta, we are a small family farm. Um, so it's, you know, people talk about the big evil corporate farm, but that doesn't really uh, exist uh, in our area here. So we are a corporation, but it's still the Hamel Farms is mom and dad. Okay. Yeah, and so farm size... Uh, we're about 2,000 acres with uh, the rented land, and that puts us uh, kind of on the smallish side for farms in Alberta. So uh, at the day job uh, doing agriculture lending, um, you probably see the average size farm about 5,000 acres. Okay. Um, and with this farm and the malting and all this stuff, you said you have other crops and whatnot. Um, how do you decide, like, oh, we're going to throw it on peas? Or like, do you need more malt? Do you guys buy malt from other people? How do you balance all the these factors? You bet. Uh, so the the farm definitely came before the malt. Um, and so kind of speaking back to the history of the farm, uh, Dad's always had uh, three crop rotations, so wheat, barley, and canola. Uh, and the reason that we rotate that around is uh, for soil health and disease, breaking the cycle of disease. So, um, and it's not like all one crop one year and all uh, canola the next year. It's uh, one third of the land is planted to barley, one third to canola, one third to wheat, and then we switch it around. Um, Recently, we've added a fourth crop to the rotation, so we've added peas to it. Um, But then you were saying, uh, how does that impact uh, our malt side? So typically, dad would get uh, 1,000 to 1,500 tons of uh, malt quality barley off the operation. And through our plant, we can get through about 200 tons. Um, so we do have a bit of room to expand still and still be using mostly dad's barley. Cool. Yep. And then some things I've seen pop up like Innisfil, uh, Darkwoods Brewing, for example, they said that their friend or family member grew this barley, brought it to you guys, malted it, roasted it, they made a beer with it. How does that fit into your schedule and space and things like that? Yeah, so that, those are those are some of the funnest projects that we get to deal with is uh, cool. when we're connecting uh, farmers and brewers, um, and that's a great example. So Ryan Layton's a great farmer in our area, and uh, Darkwoods Brewing is a new exciting brewery coming up here. Um, so to be able to and and so Ryan and uh, the Bell Brothers there, they're good friends, and to be able to um, play the middleman and get their barley into their beer. Um, is a pretty exciting thing for us. And so we do, you know, something similar with Siding 14. We got uh, Josh there, who's uh, the owner and a farmer, and uh, happy to take his barley and malt it and give it back to him so that he can keep the story intact uh, for the beers that he's creating. It does make a very cool story. Okay, so if somebody's not familiar, what is malting? 
Can uh, you go through that? And without getting too yeah. <laughs> uh, intense, because I've been through Canamalty, I've been through RAR, I've been to your guys' place, I've been to Origin, and sometimes it's like so technical where I'm like, okay, I, even I've lost hair, and I'm like supposed to be learning about this in school. <laughs> so. All right, so uh, the, the super short answer is we're just uh, converting something from an agriculture product into something that's usable to brewers. Um, and now uh, to expand on that a little bit, um, uh, the, the malting process is steeping, germinating, and kilning. Um, and so the steeping process, we're soaking the barley a little bit. We're increasing the moisture. We want that barley seed to think that it's in the ground, that it's the spring, and uh, it's been rained on and time to start growing. So at the end of that process, we'll have uh, some slightly uh, sprouted barley. And that's good because we know that it's alive and well and it's ready to do some more germinating. So we move it to one of our germ kiln boxes, uh, let it go and germinate a little bit more. So at that point, we're just keeping it cool and uh, keeping the moisture level levels where we want. And inside that barley kernel, it's turning uh, everything inside of it into plant food, which is a more simple starch. And uh, developing the enzymes that uh, the brewers need for the chemical reactions and breaking down the cell walls, which are uh, full of the beta-glucan, which are, are not good for the brewers, give you a stuck mash. Um, so once we've developed the enzymes we want, we have the conversion we want, and um, the starches that we need are there, then we need to stop that process, and so we kiln it. So we uh, add hot air from underneath, and we dry it down from that 44% moisture down to about 4% moisture, and we got a shelf-stable product that's uh, ready for brewers to have fun with. Cool. Um, what is craft malting? I know craft beer, or craft brewing, or like craft candles, things get thrown around a lot. So how would you define craft malting as opposed to malting like what the major players are doing? You bet. So, you know, the, the process is still going to be really similar. Um, it's everything that I just described is also going to be what's going on uh, at the, the bigger malt houses. They might have different equipment or they might use a, a tower setup instead of a salad and box, but... Essentially, it's the, the same stuff. Um, so what separates us, it's... And with with craft brewing, it, it can get a little tangled because, you know, there's some some players now who are kind of, are they craft or are they big? So, yeah. you know, you know you got your Sam Adams and your Ewings and stuff. Um, with us, it's, it's, a, it's a much bigger divide. So uh, I mentioned earlier we're about 200 tons a year. Um, the Canada malt plant in Calgary and the RAR plant uh, in Alex there, they do 140,000 tons a year. Um, so pretty, pretty big difference. And that's one of their plants. No, so we're, uh, yeah, we're one quarter of 1% of what they're doing. Oh my God. <laughs> one quarter of 1%. Yeah. So it's very craft. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> if that's not enough craft for you, I don't know what craft you're looking for. Okay. Yeah, you bet. And, and, sorry, please continue. Um, and then I guess a couple of the other things that we're doing different is our base malts. Uh, we know that we're not going to compete on price with uh, the big guys for the base malts that they're producing, and they make a phenomenal product. Um, so what we do that's a little bit different is we do variety-specific base malts, um, and that's led to some fun partnerships with some of these seed companies. But we like to let the brewers taste the varieties, um, and like wine, you know, see if there's a difference in the variety of the raw commodity there. And um, so Trouble Monk, they did an experiment with their Golden Gates where they did uh, a beer with Bentley a, and uh, a brew with Synergy and a brew with uh, their house uh, two-row malt. Um, and they did end up with different color, different aroma, different foam stability. Uh, so that was really cool to see. 
Um, and then the other thing that kind of makes us different from the other guys in the area is we have the only malt roaster in Canada. So, um, yeah, so I guess uh, that's what uh, makes us unique. Cool. Um, okay, why do people say Alberta barley is the best in the world? Well, because it is. But if I need to expand on that, <laughs> I'd say... Like, if I looked over to the to the east here, yeah. it's so flat I can basically see Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is Alberta more refined or respected than Saskatchewan or, like, slightly to the west in BC or whatever? I don't know. Maybe those are poor examples, but... No, no it's... Um, it's hard for me as an outsider to understand. I'm, like, looking around, like, the farm looks the exact same. The only thing that's different is the name of the province. Yeah. Um, so... Part of it is uh, just the climate that we have. So we got the long, um, hot summer days or the, that aren't too, too hot, um, followed by the cool nights. So the cool nights are important for um, the barley to develop some of the characteristics that we want in the malting and, and into the brewing process there. Um, and then just the, the quality of the soil. So we got uh, nice, deep black dirt, which is just great for growing stuff it's uh, lots of organic matter um uh yeah just really conducive to growing good quality barley interesting okay um so this is a pretty big community industry scene i guess that's developing here in alberta the craft brewing scene um why do you like to be a part of this community and this industry right now it's, it's just been so much fun to to grow up with some of these breweries so it's um, you know, we started at the same time a lot of these guys and, um, you know, we're, we're one of the first calls that, uh, the breweries make when they're in their planning stages and looking for ingredients. And, um, it's just, you know, so it, it's fun to see people living out their dreams and, uh, being able to help them do that. It's, uh, it's fun to see, uh, dad's barley or a fun, another farmer's barley go into a project and then to be able to deliver, uh, a beer to the farmer and say, look, this has your barley in it. That's, that's an experience that's never going to get old. Um, and then just uh, to see all the new beers that are coming out and uh, to play a part in that is just so exciting. It's, uh, um, so we're, we're up over 100 breweries now and they're all making good beers and um, it's, it's just, just a fun time to be alive. It is fun <laughs> to be alive right now yep. and uh, involved with this whole thing. Um, okay. I believe, and I may, my phone's broken, so I couldn't really double check this. <laughs> you guys won Community Builder of the Year at Alberta uh, Small Brewers Awards. Or what yeah. is it? Alberta yep. Beer Awards? Yeah, but Alberta Beer Awards. Alberta Small Brewers Association? Small Brewers Association? Nailed it. Okay. Yep. So you win Community Builder of the Year. What does this mean to you exactly, and why does being a community builder matter to you? Obviously, a lot of the answers have touched on being involved with different groups, whatever, all this stuff, but why do you care so much about building community right now? Um, why do I care about building community? It's Well, it, you know, it's, it's always kind of been uh, – try, trying to make that a big part of what I do, so – uh, even before uh, the malt thing, I've been part of the Piper Creek Optimist Club in Red Deer here, and we put on some pretty fun fundraisers and uh, raise money for youth in the community. And um, so that's you know something that I, I definitely wanted to bring into the business. And um, and the the Alberta uh, beer industry is is perfect for that. So 
like you, you just don't see near as many events that are sponsored by wineries or just distilleries and stuff. Um, but you just see brewery sponsorships everywhere. Um, so that's super cool. And, uh, and I've been lucky enough to kind of play the middleman on some of those as well. Uh, so whether it was the the Parkinson's Tapped Out fundraiser that just happened. Fantastic event. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, or the uh, uh, Pipe Creek Optimist, we put on um, uh, Battle of Alberta fundraiser for every kid, every community. Um, and so stuff like that. It's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to to introduce these people to breweries, and the breweries are always you know, chomping at the bit and saying, how can we help and what can we do for you? And um, so it's, 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 it just works. Um, yeah, and it was uh, huge, lots of excitement to be recognized by our peers. So it's a, a peer-voted award and, um, yeah, it's we were all touched and grateful to get that nomination. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I had some beers with you guys that night after that, and you guys were pretty stoked. I was stoked. <laughs> Everyone was stoked. It's an amazing award to win. I know it's nice that you say, hey, you guys have the best blonde in Alberta, but not always does that mean you're building community, and I think that is commendable. So congratulations for that. And continue building community, <laughs> I hope, um, and I'm sure you guys will be. Um, also, one thing, you guys have been helping us out with our Checkout Germany fundraiser. We've had a few batches brewed at the Hamill Brothers Brewing yes. um, that have come out, and so we appreciate that immensely. Please check us out online. We are desperately trying to raise money to go to <laughs> Germany. Um, okay, so one thing, and I kind of forgot to ask this before we started talking about Alberta Brewing scene and whatnot, but um, I'd like to ask, what is the biggest challenges farmers face who grow barley or any grain for that matter? I know like it could snow tomorrow. We're in Alberta. It happens. Yep. Is that the worst thing? Is hail the worst thing? Is rain every day the worst thing? Like, what's detrimental to a crop? Um, well, well, you kind of nailed it with that. So um, <laughs> the common denominator there was uh, weather. And so weather is always going to be super unpredictable. So we're trying to find varieties that have uh, shorter growing seasons are a little bit more drought resistant. Um so that's certainly a challenge. Um, and then uh, disease resistance is, is going to be another one. Um, because we're talking about barley specifically, um, so we're up against uh, fusarium, which is a disease that's kind of follows wherever corn's being grown. And corn's slowly moving uh, west and uh, north, and so it's encroaching on our barley territory. And so... Um, all the maltsters are, you know, testing incoming barley for fusarium now. And um, so just uh, kind of managing for that. Uh, and then then the new one, well, not new, but the one that's really poked its head recently has been some of the trade issues and stuff. So uh, barley's been fairly safe with it. Um, last year we exported more barley than, more malt barley than ever to China. Um, but of course they've been... Um, We've been having challenges shipping canola there um, and some pork products and other agriculture products. So uh, we're always always listening and always keenly aware of what's going on uh, with there and with our relationship with the United States. Hey, do you guys call the corn guys and you're like, hey, get a little bit close with the fusarium there? Or is that like the Alberta barley would speak to Alberta corn? Or I don't know if there's a group <laughs> named Alberta corn, but like how do you, how does Alberta manage these things? Because obviously it's, 
they want to see corn grow, they want to see barley grow. Like, how did they balance all that? Yeah, so it's there. There isn't uh, there isn't coordination among um, the commodity groups, and lots of the times uh, it it will be farmers who are growing um, corn and and barley and stuff, and so especially corn and barley because both of those are feedstock for uh, animals. Um, and so we're seeing some people switch from barley to corn. Oh, wow. Um, and so farmers, you know, they're just going to make the decision that's, that makes the most sense for their farm as far as um, uh, sustainability, uh, whether that be uh, environmental, their soil, financially, um, whatever it is, they got to make the, the choices that are best for themselves. Um, so one thing that... Uh, is, is important or near to, near and dear to my heart is making sure that uh, the proper amount of investment and government supports going into the barley breeding programs uh, because how we change the farmer's mind is giving them varieties that will yield a little bit more that will be profitable on their farms um, and the breeding programs are a big part of that so we're, we're lucky to have the Lacombe breeding program here I do believe that uh, barley research should happen where barley is grown, and barley is grown in Alberta. So I like having that here and making sure that the varieties are going to work where we're at. So something like low, it's a new variety that's yeah. coming or has arrived. I'm not sure how to put it, but who's responsible for that? Is it the research center in Lacombe, or who's the driving force of, well, we need a new variety? Yeah, okay. Um, so... Lowe's is such a good example because there's so many exciting things going on and lots of things that we've touched on already. So, um, first of all, yeah, it did get uh, developed. So, the it came out of the Lacombe Field Crop Development Center breeding program. Um, so, Pat Jeskew is a barley breeder and the program's oversaw by Flavio Cavantini. Um, and the variety was picked up by Secan, and so they're promoting the seed and they're trying to uh, get it to gain traction. Um, so that some of the big malting companies will pick it up and so that some of the export markets might take interest in it as well, uh, which can be hard to do um, because you need to have enough supply uh, that those breweries, distilleries know that they can switch over a recipe and then it's going to stay consistent and they're going to be able to get it next year. Um, so it's a big ship to move that way. Um, now... The other things that are interesting about Low is, and why I think it's going to gain some traction and be a success story, is it does yield higher than Copeland and Metcalf. Um, so that goes into kind of when we were talking about uh, the feed varieties versus the malt varieties. So we got a bit of a benefit there. Um, and then it has some a better disease-resistant package than some of the other ones. So it's re- it's the only registered barley uh, uh, that's moderately resistant to fusarium head blight. So that's uh, big for sustainability there. Um, And then the specs on it are very much in line with what uh, all grain, so what people typically describe as craft brewing, uh, are looking for with uh, the lower DP and the lower fan and uh, still really good extract and uh, the protein and uh, enzyme levels that you guys are looking for. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got every, and so the Brewers Association, they put out a white paper talking about what they wanted to see in a barley variety. Association of America? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Um, and this one's really checking a lot of those boxes, so it's pretty exciting and, um, 
yeah, I think we got it. We got a winner here. So essentially, Brewers Association of America put out a call for a new barley variety that met all these specs, and this is the response. Well, it's so what they put out was was basically a wish list, like, and I really don't think the expectation was that it was going to happen this quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because so that was my next question: is how long ago was that, and how like until today when I can go drink a beer with low downstairs? Yeah, so I think they put out the white paper only a couple of years ago. Oh wow! Um, and typically, it takes twelve years for uh, twelve years or more for a new variety to come up through the system um, and get to the point where there's enough seed that farmers can grow it. Uh, in quantities that uh, the maltsters will need and that it's ready for export markets and stuff. Um, so this one was, uh, you know, well ahead of the curve. So um, part of its luck, part of its having uh, good knowledge on some of um, some of the seed stock that you have on hand and some of the barley varieties that are out there and available. Um, and yeah, it just uh, things have fallen into place with low uh, for look home here. Cool, that's great. I mean, I'm stoked to see if it happens. And I believe, and I don't know if it's true, was it Saskatchewan Craft Brewers Association? Did They gave everybody a quantity of low and they all brewed with it? Or was that a different variety? It was different. So okay. uh, low and bow came oh, out the same bow. year. Oh, that was yeah. bow. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that was something similar where they were developing yeah, a new variety absolutely. and they said, hey, test this out and see what you come back with kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so that's uh, Maker's Malt out in Saskatchewan. So they're doing some low. cool things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not quite as bad as uh, the malt and malt, malt barley and barley malt and all that. Um, but yeah, they, they could have probably got a little bit more uh, distinct on those names. That's but. funny. Um, okay, so could you maybe compare and contrast Red Shed to Maker's Malt or Origin or another craft maltster that I may be overlooking in Canada? I know uh, you guys have the only roaster. That's yeah. obviously the huge component of it, but... That, that really is the differentiator. So, um, like Origin, you know, they're they're down the street from us, and uh, we love working with them. Um, so they're actually using some of our wheat and some of our specialty malts uh, in some of their beers. So that's super cool. Cool. Um, and so they buy Red Shed malt at Origin Brewery. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, be, because we got some products that they they don't make right, yeah. and it has to, a lot to do with the roaster. Um, but there's. I, I'm super happy when I see beers that come out that use Origin as a base malt and us as the specialty malt. So that that's a that's a win for everyone. Um, Gavin, they just released that here and now brown ale, and that's one where it's uh, using Origin and us. Have you had that beer? I haven't had it yet. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to delve off this path quickly. That yep. beer is so weird. Like, <laughs> it's weird. I've heard. It's weird. I kind of get like a whole like... I don't know. And I don't want to like compare a beer to tobacco because I think that they're like, if you don't like tobacco, you might be a bit scared off. But like, if you are in Cuba, nice, hot, humid day, and you're like, ah, I kind of want to smoke a cigar, but I don't really want to, and you kind of just put it in your mouth, it's not lit, and you can taste all these different flavors and smell a lot of different smells. It's not just tobacco, it's like all these, that's this beer. It's like a cigar that's been unlit, and you're like, ah, oh, I just can't figure out what it is. <laughs> It's a weird beer. Try that out here and now. Whew. Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so yeah, I, I absolutely love it when um, breweries are using Origin and us. Um, and I absolutely love seeing uh, the success that Origin's having with their brewing side. Uh, they're out there winning some serious hardware. 
and showing showing the world that uh, we can make great beers out of craft malt. Yeah, that is true. Um, I work at Undercurrent Brewing, for those of you who do not know. Um, we're a RAR. We use RAR base malt, and I think every beer we have has Red Shed in it, with the exception of our new Pilsner that came out. It's all origin Pilsner malt. Um, but other than that, I don't know if there's one beer that has ever been released without Red Shed. We don't... <laughs> Hugely appreciate that. It's like we're using it so much, it's just like uh, normal. Like, we don't have to like have the conversation, like, oh, yes, Red Shed. It's just (laughs) like, for surely, yes, there's Red Shed in all these. And people come in and ask, too, like, do you have a Red Shed beer on? We're like, yes, all of them. (laughs) So I think that's really cool. I like trying out the origin stuff. We don't use a lot of it. Um, We have access to it at Olds College, so I've tried out both of them. I think they're fantastic. Um, I'd like to try some Maker's Malt one day and maybe there's some other craft maltsters out there that i'm not aware of but uh i've definitely seen some in the states through social media and whatnot yeah um do you have a number roughly of how many craft maltsters are in the states like uh the last number that i heard was around 50 uh cool. but i think we're we're probably up a little bit from that because that's that's not a super updated number so uh but a solid 50 yeah cool interesting and then in, in terms of this whole hop movement that's sort of starting to come to over we're seeing a lot of people growing hops. I think the Alberta Hop Growers Association is growing. Do you think that it will be as big as craft malting in Alberta one day? Will there be a red shed of hops, I guess, is the question. I know that's a crazy question to ask, but like, (laughs) could you see something like that popping up? Um, I could. It's, you know, it is going to be a challenge. Um, We talked about uh, how how it's a great place to grow barley here. Um, It's it's less natural of a place to kind of grow hops. Um, but we have some really keen and intelligent and dedicated people that have dived into the industry. Um, so they got some plants in the ground. It's going to take a couple of years yeah. for those to, to get up to full production and kind of get the flavors where they need to be. Um, but uh, we're going to see great things. And I think, you know, the, we're already seeing great things from the Alberta Hop Girls. Yeah. Um, so Windover Hops. Um, and I, I've seen them in many different breweries and beers and, um, and just some, some damn fine beers. So yeah. it's uh, absolutely, Alberta can grow hops that are going to go into great beers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's scary. Again, it could snow tomorrow. So yep. there's a lot of variables. We're in Alberta. <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm surprised if it hasn't snowed yet this summer. It's been so cold. Um, do you have any tips, tricks, or advice for living a healthy lifestyle in the brewing industry? I know this comes along with drinking a lot of beers, eating a lot of meals. Sometimes it's not always the most clean and healthy food at these places. No offense to bars and brewers and stuff. It's just easier. I get it. Um, and some have fantastically healthy food. So I'm not trying to say that there isn't, but a lot of burgers, fries, things like that. Um, and also being busy, it sounds like you have 19 jobs. <laughs> what are your advice or tips and tricks for living healthy in this lifestyle and sustaining a career? Yeah, well, I'm not a I'm not a pillar of health, but uh, if I if I did have some advice, or um, you know, we we live in Alberta, and it's a great place to grow barley. Uh, it's also a great place to go exploring. So get out there, check out some of those hikes that are out there. Hop on your bike and. Um, so either bike to somewhere cool or bike to some of these breweries. Um, lots of the breweries have bike racks and, uh, events set up for bikes. Uh, we got some people that give you a discount just for riding your bike there. Uh, I think the crew at Dandy does that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, 
they they can exist together. Yeah, for sure. And yep. I've seen many pictures of you out and about, and you're also busy on a farm and whatnot helping out, so I'm sure you're getting some calories burned yeah. here and there. Um, what would be your tips, tricks, and advice, I guess, again, for somebody who wants to enter the brewing industry? Obviously, you're on the malt side of things, but as we've discussed at length, you have a lot of relationships with breweries, business owners, things like that. You've seen people go from nothing to very successful businesses or an enthusiast to being a brewer or whatever. What would be some, again, tips, tricks, and advice for entering this industry and getting employment and and seeing if this is your thing? Yeah. um, So part of it, you know, it does have to, (laughs) I I think it does have to start with, um, with some passion. So, it's if you're just gonna try to hop in it to to make some quick money, um, that could be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Malting's definitely the long game. Uh, brewing is also. So we've seen some really successful breweries, but uh, even some of them, you know, it's they're they're still working up their way to profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, so the banker answer is going to be have a have a business plan and uh, be prepared to deviate from it. But at least you'll know your numbers and you'll know. How that change is going to impact it um, from from the beer lover side. It's you know, uh, I think it benefits you to have some unique beers and try, try to carve out your niche in the market. Um, so, like establishment brewing, they started up recently in Calgary and they're doing the mixed ferment stuff, and um, they they got a, a deep book of home brewing recipes uh, to awards. fall back on. And and some early awards, yeah, that that helps too. Um, so they're they're doing a really good job carving out their niche. Um, I'd say Cabin's another one that's doing a really good job at that. Annex Ale, uh, they they they're really good about knowing you know making beers that they want to drink that also happen to be beers that everyone else wants to drink. Um, Alley Cat's one that's uh, deeply tied to their community. I feel that's pretty important for these breweries as well. Um, so you need to get uh, some some loyal followers, because um, there's a lot of people who are just going to try the the latest greatest uh, beer that's out there. But you're you're going to have to have some repeat business uh, to have a sustainable business. So, um, yeah, yeah, make make good beer and you know test the recipes and test the beer before you ship it to market. Sure, yeah. yeah. And if you're really totally brand new, meet people. Write yeah. someone a message on Instagram. For God's sake, they're going to answer, likely, most times. Um, it's the friendliest industry out there. It's, yeah. uh, people want to help people you. Go to people at events, go to the breweries, tap rooms, do the events. Just say hi to people, ask questions. You know, it might not be a passion for you, but you might have to try it out for a little bit to see that. So take some risks, you know. Yeah, you're probably going to make less money, but you're going to meet some great people. Yep. And you can have the Matt Hamelberger. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be your advice tips, tricks, and insights for somebody who wants to grow malt barley? Um, I'm assuming they already have a farm. Yes. <laughs> significant investment to get to that point. Yeah, for sure. So with uh, with malt barley, if you're already a farmer and you're up and going, you want to grow some malt barley, but you haven't before. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is that something people do? Are they switching? They're like, oh, wow, there's all these brews popping up. We want to have our product in a beer. Yeah, there there is, um, and so um, barley it it can, it's a important as a rotational crop. So again, it breaks that cycle of disease, um, and so 
Alberta agriculture, they want more people growing barley. Um, and so people are definitely looking at it. Um, and malt barley provides uh, decent financial returns if you can make the grade. Um, so if you want to get into it, you know, uh, work with your agrologist, your crop advisor, um, get the fertility program right. Because if uh, you don't do that, then you're gonna miss your protein marks, and then it's not gonna. It, then it'll go for feed. Um, we don't have a grain dryer on our farm, but uh, some of the some of the larger successful malt growers that we've seen uh, have some grain dryers, and that extends their harvest season. Um, and yeah, uh, have a try to have a contract for it. So it's you don't want to be growing malt on spec very often. You want to have a relationship with your maltster um, already. And even some of, some guys are going as far as having a relationship with the brewer now. So the Chinook Arch Growers in Southern Alberta, um, which Origin uh, the Hilton family is part of. Uh, they got deals directly with uh, Lagunitas and some of those guys. So, okay. So, uh, like, when I see a sign that says, we grow barley for Lagunitas, that's because the farmer has taken steps to build the relationship to ensure that that barley is going to Lagunitas or whatever other large brewery. Yep. And yep. sometimes that'll be facilitated by the, the malt company, so RAR played a role in some of that. Um, but some of it is definitely uh, the farmers uh, going directly and... Uh, cultivating that relationship with the brewers and having the brewers out to the farm and seeing what's going on. And um, uh, I, I think back to a quote um, from that I got uh, during my Nuffield travels there. And I only got a few minutes with this uh, girl in Tasmania and she had some great insight for me. And she just said, you got to make people give a shit that you give a shit. <laughs> 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 and so farmers having the brewers out to their farm and letting them walk around and seeing all the hard work that goes in there, um, you know, things start to click with the brewer. Cool. So yeah. That is very cool. Interesting. Um, okay. Now, this is a very, a little bit more obscure than the other ones. Yeah. Let's say there's someone, I don't know, maybe they're in southern Manitoba or southern Sask or someone else in Alberta wants to start a craft malt <laughs> company. Yeah. What would be your tips, trick, and advice to them? And can you foresee more of these craft monsters popping up in Canada? Do you think there's uh, enough market space or enough sort of incentive for them to get into that? Or is it just sort of like a nightmare and they should just not worry about it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's somewhere in between. So it's, you know, for us, it's it's definitely been a grind. We've been at it four years and um, I'm, I'm still working two jobs. And so yeah. Joe's the only paid employee of uh, Redshed right now. Um, so it, it has taken us a while to, to get where we are and to grow the business to where we want it to be. Um, so kind of the same advice that I had for the brewery is you want to have a business plan. Um, and then I'd also just say, make sure you talk to the people that are going to be buying the product at the end too. And, um, you know, see how much they'd be looking to buy and what they're willing to pay for it. And then look at the cost of your equipment and, uh, the wages that you expect to pay yourselves and divide that by the number of bags that you're going to produce in a year and uh, make sure it's uh, their numbers that work for you. Okay. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's a grind. It's a grind. Um, <laughs> but it's great. It's, it is the most rewarding industry to be in. It's like, I can't talk highly enough about how great it is to be between the farmer and the brewers. Interesting. Yep. What are the challenges? Like, a, this is a small family business. I mean, it's, it's a large farm. But it's these oh, are small, small businesses. Yep. Yep. Um, 
what are the challenges and sacrifices you have to make to own and operate a small business? Um, so work-life balance becomes a, a real big challenge for sure. Um, and so, you know, we used to have lots of family suppers and then after that we'd play some board games and it's, uh, it's been a few years since we've played a few board games. So, um, it, uh, it's definitely weighs in on the time and, uh, the recreation time that you have. Um, and things don't always go as planned. So you got to be, uh, ready to adapt and, um, you got to move with whatever the market kind of tells you. So I guess those would be some of the key pieces of advice I got. Um, now, obviously, we kind of just talked about this in the question before, but what are the highlights and the best parts of this? The sacrifices, you know, you have the extreme highs and lows. And if every day is a five or a six, you don't necessarily <laughs> feel the tens and the ones because you're just like cruising along. Yeah. But you have all these sacrifices, these challenges. So when you have the tens, what is that like? And what sort of is the tens, I guess? Well, you know, it's being in this industry is a huge perk. So it's when I be working two jobs and driving all over this province and um, putting in the hours I would if we were making light bulbs, probably not. <laughs> no offense to light bulbs. Yeah. Thank you. No light offense bulbs. to light bulbs. Shout out to light bulbs. <laughs> they are important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's you. you got, I love what I'm doing. Um, I like being in business with my for myself and with my family. Um, learning a lot more about uh, the family and being closer with them has been really neat. Um, we actually had uh, one of our crop consultants come out and she gave us uh, personality quizzes. Oh, and we okay. did that at our annual general meeting. Interesting. And, yeah, so it was neat to, <laughs> to learn more about the family that way. and uh, <laughs> So that's kind of neat. Um, yeah, so it, it's just, there's a ton of rewarding days and um, I mentioned it before. Every time you can put a beer in a farmer's hand and say, "Look, this has your barley in it," and and lots of the time that's been dad. So it's um, it just never gets old. You know, it's a pretty cool experience. That's amazing. Um, one of my highlights. Yeah. Uh, one time your folks came in for lunch, yeah. and like they're drinking beers with Red Shed. I'm just like, oh my god! Like I'm, and it's for me crazy because like I was really new to this whole thing when I started Olds College last September. I thought wheat was the main, like, grain we were talking about. I didn't know it was barley. So I've come a long way. Yeah, um, But the beer they were drinking, I, like, had brewed it and kegged it and moved it into the cooler and tapped it and cleaned the tank. And, like, I went through all the steps and I'm like, oh, they're drinking the beer that they're responsible for. This is a good feeling. Yeah. So for me it was very nice because I was like, wow. Like, I hadn't had that experience with a farmer or anybody yet to that point, and I was like, this is a damn good feeling to watch them enjoy a quick lunch. I'm sure they didn't have a lot of time for anything else in Sylvan Lake. <laughs> quick sando and a beer, and I was like, that was a nice feeling for me as a young person in this industry to watch this man enjoy his barley in a beer. And I got to feel good because yeah. I made the beer, so. Absolutely. Also, shout out to Undercurrent for letting me work here. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Um, okay. Thanks for making great beer. Yeah, no, they do. <laughs> yeah. um, and great grilled cheese sandwiches. Only like from brewery in Alberta. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. we're, we're not quite a brewery on a yacht yet, but you, you've come as close as you can in Alberta. <laughs> That's so funny that you remember that. Oh my God. I told Matt Havel one time that my long-term goal was to have a brewery on a yacht. 
And I like it. Yes, it was coming. I think maybe. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise. Okay, so what do you think's next for barley for malting for this your chunk of uh, the beer industry? Um, I think we're pretty close to the cusp where um, craft brewing is going to get to start dictating what's going on earlier in the supply chain. Um, so even though craft beer might only be like 15 to 20% of the sales that are out there, because it's using so much more barley to make the same amount of beer, um, it's up to about uh, 50% of the malt usage. Really? Yeah. Whoa, why don't I know that number? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not doing my job. Wow. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, so breeding programs have always focused on, uh, getting varieties that yield more for the farmer, um, and yield more for the brewer, uh, for extract and have the enzymes that they need that they can, uh, do some adjunct brewing. So add in those cheap sugars from the corn and the rice. Um, now that so much, uh, is going into the craft industry, um, and there's a greater number of craft breweries, and some of them are, you know, uh, getting a pretty good sense of what they want. Uh, they're going to start going to these breeders and to some of the organizing committees, uh, so the BNBRI and stuff, and they'll be able to say, look, this is what we want out of that barley variety, kind of like what the Brewers Association put out. But, you know, voting on some of those things and influencing the decisions and that, so... Um, that's going to be a whole other phase of, uh, of barley agriculture. Cool. What's next for Redshed? Um, just kind of keep on, uh, the path that we are. So it's, we're excited to get working with a few more breweries in BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Yukon. Um, you want to keep growing and, um, keep growing with our customers and keep, uh, on top of all these new breweries that are popping up too. Cool. Um, and what exactly is your job at RBC? I know you kind of mentioned it before, but what do you do there? Yeah, so um, I do uh, loans for farmers is uh, is the short way to put it. Does yeah. that change your perspective, the way you look at sort of the brewing industry and the farming industry coming from the lending side? Obviously grew up on the farm, saw the whole thing. I don't know at what point you decided like, hey, I'm not a farmer. I'm going to be a businessman. <laughs> um, but did that change your perspective and the way you look at these things? Yeah, um, I think it did. So in the last six years that I've been with RBC, um, you know, I've got to look at some of the more innovative uh, and progressive farms uh, across the province here. Uh, I see some guys doing some really neat things. Um, and I've been able to go to some of the farm conferences, so farm tech and agri-trade and stuff, and um, see what's new and exciting out there, uh, especially with like some of the smart farm stuff that's going on at Olds College. Uh, so they just had the Ag Smart uh, conference, um, really neat. Um, so it's nice to have a bit of a bird's eye view on kind of the ag industry that way. And so um, I'm interested in the whole barley value chain, and that's helped out with that. Uh, and then prior to RBC, I was with ATB, and there I was doing farm and commercial loans. Um, so a lot more reviewing business plans and um, talking to value-added industries and so that's given me uh, some good perspective and experience. And um, so I was even able to come out to the Olds College uh, Brewmasters program and put my banker hat on and talk about business plans and yeah. stuff with, uh, with you guys. So that was pretty cool, too. So. <laughs> that's cool. Is it in the marketing yeah. class? 
that in? I can't remember which. Uh, like in Matt Gates's class? No, it oh, was no. it was in one of Peter's classes. Oh, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so now that you have sort of a more well-rounded, like you have the business side of things, you're owning and operating your own business, you obviously have a huge insight into being a farmer and you're not a farmer, kind of a farmer, yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, you know, are you happy with your role right now? Is it, is like, because the next question is kind of like, what's next for Matt Hamill? But like, can you sustainably do both these jobs um, and, you know, like, keep your mental health at a reasonable level um is there a dream job you know that you might be looking at is it within red shed or would you like to you know go bigger work for alberta i don't know if alberta Barley is bigger than red shed i'm not really sure or this um variety development or if a, a new university in the states was like hey matt hamill you're the most invested man in barley in canada we want you to come down to whatever and be this guy like is there something like that ahead of you or is it you're a red shed lifer. Red shed lifer. Hey. Yep. Um, happy to be part of the family business and uh, want to keep growing that. Um, and yeah, so, uh, it, you know, it's uh, one of the the benefits for my parents to red shed was a better succession plan for the farm. Um, so I had a job off the farm. My brother had a job off the farm and my sister's up in Whitehorse. So we didn't really know what was going to happen with the family farm. Um, and this brought uh, my brother and me back to the farm. So it uh, gave us something the whole family is excited about and rowing in the same direction for. Um, and gives us a way to get into farming without having to, you know, go try to acquire more land or um, only do the primary ag- agriculture stuff and de- be dependent on weather and uh, a price taker on some of the commodities. So it's um, pretty exciting and I'm happy to keep going and see where this takes us cool that is a great answer i'm sure you just increased the price they will have to pay you whenever <laughs> this person is tries to poach you i'm sure it's happened and probably will again um what kind of beers do you like to drink what's your sort of thing and are you offended when you drink a beer and there's like no malt character it's just been fruited and dry hopped and lactosed and changed so much that you're like is there even malt in this thing <laughs> no, it's um, I, I'm I'm okay with that. Like, uh, it's I, I enjoy a good hoppy beer, just uh, like a lot of the other people in the industry. But um, uh, I do, I do like a you know a well made pale ale. Um, I do enjoy my stouts. I don't think there is a, a stout season. I think stouts are all year long. Matt Hamill himself <laughs> has said there is no stout season. <laughs> Listen up, folks. This is a experienced beer drinker you can drink stouts in the summer absolutely um yeah and but i'm super excited when people are trying stuff with new ingredients so uh dandy brewing introduced me to tonka beans and what a cool ingredient that is right it just throws off all kinds of crazy flavors and stuff and what beer was that in uh that was uh their Smoke Boss. Okay. Is what it was called. What yeah. is a Tonka bean exactly? Uh, so it's actually a nut. I believe it's from Central America. Okay. Um, interesting you were talking about uh, getting tobacco flavors from the Here and Now beer, but it's it's a additive that they use in tobacco um, as well. But um, 
Yeah, so I, I got a little jar of them at home, and I cut a little chunk up, throw it in my coffee in the morning. And really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll get That's you one. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I, I love drinking yeah, coffee. I, yeah, I've, I've seen the coffee reviews, so <laughs> going to kick that to another level. <laughs> if my phone wasn't broken, I would have made one today. Jeez uh, Louise. Not that I, I don't think any beer style will disappear completely. Uh, I think everything ebbs and flows, comes and goes for a while. What are you ready to take a break from? Which beer style are you like, yeah, enough of those? Ooh, tricky, tricky. Um, maybe the the Brutes. Okay, um, you're done with these dry IPAs? Yeah, okay. and, and, and we got a... We got a super dry beer that's fermenting in the tank right now for a special occasion, but um, yeah, as I'd, I'd be okay with uh, some of these other breweries using less tank space on brutes. Okay, yeah. hey, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah. and not that there's a lot around, anyways. Um, what beer style or trend or whatever do you think deserves a little bit more light shed onto it, a little bit more respect paid to it? Um. Well, it's stouts in the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good old summer stout. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think kind of um, there was that uh, surge a while ago. Uh, flagship beers where we're kind of like paying homage to some of the breweries that got us to where we are. Cool. Um, and so even with styles like that, like. Getting back to uh, the pale ales and uh, you know a nice uh, biscuit forward amber and stuff and um, yeah so it's I, I enjoy getting out there drinking some of the crazy beers that are available but uh, also enjoy sitting down and having a, a good solid well crafted um, balanced easy drinking beer cool um, Matt Hamill I thank you immensely for your time um, any shout outs thank yous enclaves or anybody who sort of mentored or helped you guys along the way that you'd like to thank or shut up well thank you very much for having me well, start you. out with um <laughs> and but the the list of thank yous would be uh forever long it's it's all the breweries in alberta um we've got such good support from everyone um some of the mentors uh like jim button at village brewing we had him out for our agm as well and uh, just learned all kinds of things from him on how to run a business and how to how to live life. And uh, Terry Andreo at ATB, he's been a mentor and great for the industry. Um, the team at Alberta Barley has got me involved in some cool projects. Um, the other craft maltsters that are out there, uh, Nuffield International, they helped me uh, with some education and doing some research and making some really cool connections. Um, Canadian Malt Barley Technical Center so Peter Watts and uh, Aaron and Andrew out there they're doing great things and have always been super helpful uh, just got a care package in the mail from them some new hats and shirts and cool. stuff uh, but uh, there's so much more than that and so much more for the barley industry in Canada um, yeah it's and you know you, you get uh, the help up from some surprises out there so it's like I went and did a, a tour at um, Coors and Golden, and uh, they were such gracious hosts and took the time to show me around, and it was that was really incredible. Um, super happy to be on board with uh, Country Malt Group, so Canada Malting and Grain Corps. 
Um, they're leaders in the industry and have been mentors, and we just did a tour, and it was so great to see those guys again. They're so much fun. Um, yeah, so <laughs> so a, a lot of thank yous out there. Uh, Brandon Abose, um, he's, uh, he's been a supporter from day one, so I don't know if there's any other uh, restaurants, pubs, bars out there that have a, a craft beer menu that has a, the malt section on it. <laughs> but, hey, I'll, I'll take it's it. and chive. Yeah, yeah. The only two that I've ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah. Riley, it's uh, couldn't. It's such a cool experience to be the the guest chef and uh, to have been able to work with him on some fundraisers. So he was a, They got me involved in that Parkinson's one, um, and then I was able to get them involved in uh, Celebrity Chicken Chef because who else in the province is better suited uh, to be Celebrity Chicken <laughs> Chef than Mr. Riley Kane? <laughs> oh, God. Um, so he, he brought the talent, the skills, and the chicken uh, to a fundraiser just at the start of the year, and that was super cool. He donated his time, staff, the ingredients, everything. Um, yeah, so, and whoever else I forgot, uh, the family, it's they've uh, dug deep many a time, and um, I've overcommitted them to, to tours and <laughs> events and <laughs> everything, and they always... Uh, come through for me and help me out and um yeah so thanks to everyone cool i have to say thank you to you guys uh i learned a lot about barley when i came out to your farm uh last fall i think it's like early fall kind of late september early october yeah. i don't know when exactly i like i said when i joined this course at old college i thought wheat was sort of the backbone and i started learning about barley but we were also going to yakima and going through the hop lessons so i wasn't really diving into barley too much and we did cannibalting red shed all in one day so it was like a like a life-changing day i was like oh my god i've overlooked this whole ingredient <laughs> my whole life um about a hat from you guys you guys brought me a new hat one time which was a huge <laughs> blessing to me because the hat was so greasy that the girls at work told me i wasn't allowed to wear it anymore so now <laughs> i have a new hat that's less greasy um but yeah just i learned a lot from you guys like I said, I'm brewing, a, like I brew quite a bit of undercurrent. I've learned a lot about your ingredients, about craft malt, just from talking to you guys, using the ingredients, drinking beers. Um, shout out to your whole family, you guys. It's incredible. You are all far too kind to me and everyone else you guys encounter. So I think that's really great. Hey, well, maybe before we wrap it up here, it's been a great partnership with you. Great partnership with Cheers. undercurrent. Great partnership with uh, Olds College students. Yeah. Um, and when I was out uh, in BC with uh, the Blind Man guys in Daggerad, uh, I managed to see a few old college students along the way. So maybe I'll, I'll flip the table on you and start asking you a question. It's uh, go ahead. Tell me about some of the students that are in some of the cool breweries around, oh, uh, man, around the oh, world man, here oh, now. Okay, oh, the first year's course yeah. has a lot of people because Doug Chuknita is doing the monolith right now. Um, oh my god, I'm blanking. Gives the, the best name. beer tour in the he world. He does give he? the best beer tour. Yeah. Uh, Warren, is his name Warren uh, from Apex Predator? Yeah. Um, the, oh my god, the guy He's from. He's a master Re with ops. Yeah, the guy from Rebellion was there that year. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. and then. Uh, the lentil beer. Yes. It's legendary. Is that the same as adding barley to a beer? Like It is not the same. It, it's a challenge. It's uh, pretty unique to, so to do that. So they pulled off something pretty unique there? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I know last year, obviously, Ty, he's down at Hell's Basement now. Um, mm -hmm. Travis, he's at Travois. Uh, Richard, I just had him on the podcast the other day. He's the head brewer of Rail Yard. Cody's head brewer of Undercurrent. Managed to be employed full-time while going to Olds College. I was very impressed. 
Um, I know the Dandy guys had been through the program. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly never ending, and it's crazy for me because, like, I'm really new to this whole thing, and I'm just like, oh, my God, you – Hello, hello, hello. Oh, you guys have all been old school? Um, yeah. It's a never-ending list. Uh, and, you know, now as my class finishes, you'll see more people out and about. Um, we had some people working at, uh, I think, Toolshed, Village, um, New Level, um, Annex. Oh, boy. Belly Hop here, of course. My yep. roommate, Wyatt. They're opening up Detention Brewing. Yep. Keeping on Detention Brewing. Like, it's a never-ending list. Yeah. It's overwhelming for me. Uh, a really cool story. Um, this guy opened up a brewery in Saskatoon. It's a really small brewery. Shelter. Okay. Um, I got to meet them over after going into the brewery a few times. And he was in Olds College the second go-around, so like five or six years ago. And now he's got a brewery in Saskatoon, even though he's from Vancouver. Yep. I was like, dude, what the heck is going on here? So... <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to talk to Peter and Jordan about the never-ending list of all these students, but uh, it makes for a very well-rounded community, and um, it's continuing to grow. So it's something's working. Cool. Something is yeah. working there. <laughs> it's uh, it's raising the level of beer in Canada for sure. It's it's phenomenal what Olds College is doing. For yeah, sure. they're doing a great job. Okay, yeah. well, everybody, thank you for listening. Shout out to Olds College as our final sign-off, <laughs> and shout out to my good friend Brody Cushway for producing these episodes. My friend, you are far too kind. Um, you can find us on social media, Beach House Brewing Podcast. Check us out. We got some new shirts coming. Um, always stickers. We got some other secret stuff that we can't talk about yet. Maybe some hats and toques for the wintertime. Uh, where can we find Red Shed online? Uh, Redshedmalting.ca. Uh, we got uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Dee's running all those and she does a great job uh, keeping things updated without uh, over peppering you with too much information so uh, give us a follow and we got a newsletter too great newsletter I was going to say great newsletter (laughs) one of the only ones that I read (laughs) thank you Matt Hamill (laughs) 